What's up, everybody? Hope we're having a great day. Name's Keith Jacobs. This is crazy opinionated. Maybe not the opinion that you want to hear, but the opinion that you need to hear. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to get to today. We got some good NFL stuff. Um, I'm going to give you my uh, my four good bets for the week. We got NBA. The NBA is back. I'm extremely excited about it. Uh, we're going to touch on a couple of managerial hires in baseball, but I want I want to start with this. I want to start with. Um, uh, they, there's an old say, history repeats itself. History tends to repeat itself. I think we're seeing something uh, which is really interesting to me happening in Chicago. Uh, do we realize right now that the Chicago Bears are the Jacksonville Jaguars that are a couple of a couple of years ago? Like, history is quite literally repeating itself in Chicago. I mean, look at the similarities here. Great defense in Chicago, great defense in Jacksonville. Running backs, very good running backs. David Montgomery is a great running back. Leonard Fournette is an excellent running back. Um, And they're both being held back by their quarterback. Listen, I I don't want to hear that Mitch Trubisky is the answer. I really don't. And people are trying to knock the coach. Um, People are trying to knock the play calling. I don't want to hear that. It is the quarterback's fault. Mitch Trubisky is not good. He's just not. And I was one of those people that was very, very skeptical when they traded up to get him in the draft in the first place. Uh, They traded, the Chicago Bears traded up one spot uh, with the San Francisco 49ers to draft Mitchell Trubisky out of the University of North Carolina, number two overall. Um, I'm usually very critical when guys are unable to win the starting job up and, you know, and really only start for one year in college and then try to jump into the NFL, especially as a number two pick. Um, and, and it will still blow my mind to this day that the Chicago Bears decided that it was a good idea to draft Mitch Trubisky over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. I'll never get it. Um, but like, look, it's just, he, he's doing really bad. I mean, you got like, even look at the first half against the Eagles last week in week nine in the first half, the Bears offense had no passing first downs. They had one first down rushing, nine total yards, nine. And the only reason they had, mind you, mind you, one of the main reasons that they had those nine total yards is because of a penalty that went their way. And they averaged 0.45 yards per play. 0.45. Do you have any idea how hard that is to average 0.45 yards per play? You may as well be running backwards as an offense. I mean, good God. When are we going to open our eyes? Mitch Trubisky is not an accurate thrower of the football. He's not a confident thrower of the football. I mean, he is, I mean, and and it's not even just him not being confident. It's also his organization not being confident in him. There was a play against the Chargers uh, a couple of weeks ago. The the Bears ended up losing by a field, uh, by a missed field goal. They lost 17 to 16 in this game against the Chargers. And there was a play where they were, where the Bears were rushing down the field. They were actually making a really, really good strides to getting closer into field goal position. And it's third and 10. It's a, it's third down. And instead of allowing Mitch Trubisky to make a play, possibly throw the ball, even just run it, do whatever, uh, to try to get the, the distance for the field goal closer for Eddie Pinheiro, Matt Nagy has them take a knee. That is absolutely egregious. That's absurd. And there's only two reasons that you do something like that. Number one, you're an idiot, which Matt Nagy has proven he is not an idiot. Or number two, you do not trust your quarterback. 
That play right there tells you all you need to know about how the Bears feel about Mitch Trubisky. They do not trust Mitch Trubisky whatsoever. And if I am the Chicago Bears, I am doing anything I can, whether whether that be going out in the draft, whether that be making a trade for a guy like Cam Newton over in Carolina, I am doing signing Teddy Bridgewater when free agency comes up. I am doing anything I can to get a new quarterback. Just, just admit it. Just admit it. You whiffed. Admit you whiffed on a quarterback. It happens to everybody. The Jets whiffed on Mark Sanchez. The Jaguars whiffed on Blake Bortles. It happens to everyone. Just admit that you did it. Move on. Try again. Because let me tell you something right now. This Bears team, this roster all around is, is too good to be 3-5. and five. They're currently 3-5 and five sitting at the bottom of the NFC North right now. And let me and this this defense, they have receivers, they have good running backs, they have a decent offensive line. This team is too good personnel-wise to be held back the way that they are right now. But they're being held back because of bad quarterback play. The same way that the Jacksonville Jaguars were being held back because of bad quarterback play. I mean Fix it. Fix the problem. It's really like it really isn't that complicated. Like everybody, it's amazing how everybody on earth can see. Hey, Mitch Trubisky is not not an NFL starting quarterback, but like the organization just doesn't want to admit it because like admitting admits that like you whiffed, but whiffing happens to everybody. You whiff on first round guys. It happens to everybody at some point. They, the Bears have lost four games in a row. They're one and three at home. And I mean, they're all, like they're just oh god, their offense is egregious. They cannot move the ball. The Chicago Bears are currently 29th in total offense right now. That is only better than the tanking Miami Dolphins, the just overall dysfunctionally bad Washington Redskins, and the absolute dumpster fire that is the New York Jets. They're averaging, in total, and this is combined, running and passing, they're averaging 266.8 yards per game. That's really bad. That is really, really bad. They are one of only five teams this year that are averaging under 300 yards. And the only reason the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are above them currently right now, are averaging under 300 yards, they're only averaging 10, they're only averaging 290 which is, like, not as bad. The only reason they're doing that is because they're playing with a backup quarterback in Mason Rudolph, and they've had some injuries to their running backs. But just admit you whiffed, please, and let's move on. Trade for Cam Newton. Sign Teddy Bridgewater. Do whatever you got to do. Just stop trying to convince me that Mitch Trubisky is the answer to your problems, because he is not. Uh, And speaking of answers, let me transition here to... Same region, um, different conference. The AFC North, the Cleveland Browns, good hell. Oh my God, Baker has been bad. The whole team really has been bad. Baker this year is completing 57% of his passes. He's thrown for six touchdowns, 12 picks. And it's just been absolutely egregious, the whole entire thing. Here's really what they try to do on offense. The Cleveland Browns try to establish the run on offense. Their offense, they want to run it through Nick Chubb. And Nick Chubb is a very talented running back. 
They want to run their offense through Nick Chubb so that way they can set up the play action. But here's a couple of problems with the, with the Cleveland Browns offense. Number one, their offensive line is absolutely horrible. Oh my lord, it is garbage. And nobody would really nobody talked about during the offseason. You know, everybody was like, oh, the Browns are getting OBJ. They signed Kareem Hunt. Uh, they drafted Greedy Williams for their secondary. This team is loaded. But what nobody talked about was the fact that in the trade that they in one of the trades that they made with the New York Giants, they gave away their best offensive lineman, their right guard, Kevin Zeitler, who the previous who last year was one of the highest rated pass blocking guards in the NFL. He was the highest rated pass blocking guard in his own division. And they traded him away to the New York Giants. And their offensive line has been terrible the whole year ever since. Baker, now you can say what you want. Baker's accuracy has 100%. It has dipped to this year. But there's a couple of reasons for that. Obviously, number one is the offensive line, but number two is the play calling. And the play calling is kind of tied into the offensive line. So like I said, a lot of their play calling, they like to run it through Nick Chubb. But off of Nick Chubb, what they like to do is they like to set a play action. But the problem with their play action game is the fact that all of their play action plays are predicated around deep developing routes. Which means that Baker has to hold the ball for longer to allow those routes to develop which means that the defensive line has more time to pressure him. And when you have a bad offensive line, you're getting pressured more often. Baker's running for his life. He has to scramble out of the pocket. He's making off-balance throws. He's making you know throws where the timing between him and his receivers are off because he has to just get rid of the ball because he's about to get sacked. The play calling has been bad. The offensive line has been egregious. Freddie Kitchens has no idea how to use timeouts. Um, he is completely in over his head as an NFL head coach, um, and once and and once again, like ha- like it has happened so many times for different teams throughout history, uh, the Cleveland Browns are just further proof that just because you stack a team with a bunch of talent doesn't mean they're going to be a good team. I mean, if you look at this team, they have so many great pieces: OBJ, Jarvis Landry, uh, David Njoku when he's healthy, uh, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. Defensive side, you have um, Denzel Ward is a nice player. Greedy Williams. Uh, they have a really good pass rush with Miles Garrett. But you, but again, just because you stack a team with a bunch of talent doesn't mean they're going to be a good team. First of all, this team is incredibly undisciplined. They lead the league in penalties by a very solid margin. Baker is uh, Baker is top five in the NFL in interceptions right now. And this. They're just egregious. They don't have any chemistry. They can't seem to be... It just... Throughout the entire year, Odell Beckham and Baker Mayfield have not gotten on the same page. And I was... I I wanted to be patient with it. I wanted to just be like, hey, you know, first couple of weeks, it's a a new thing. They got to get the chemistry down. Maybe they'll figure it out. Maybe about week five, six, they'll turn it around. They just haven't. It's just not working. And no, no, high, no play highlighted that more so than when on a fourth and one, on a fourth down play, they had, for whatever reason, they had OBJ run a go route on the outside on one-on-one coverage, but he was wide open and Baker didn't throw him the football. I mean, they just don't seem to, they're just not connecting. And if it's me, if it were me and I'm John Dorsey, I would have traded OBJ already to go get some offensive line help. Because I do think Baker has the opportunity to be a very good NFL quarterback. 
I think when he has the ability to, when he's not running for his life, he is he can be accurate. He throws a pretty good football, but he has no time to be accurate whatsoever. Now, granted, I am not going to absolve Baker just because the offensive line is crap and the play calling hasn't been good. Baker himself has not been very good. Baker is not making great decisions. Um, when he does have time, he seems to be wanting to force the ball into coverage a lot. And I don't know if that's just because he feels pressure to get guys the football or if it's just because he's just being overly aggressive. But either way, something's got to change in Cleveland and it's got to change fast. And and I don't want to hear this whole thing that they have a re- you know they have a favorable schedule coming up because that really does not matter to me. I don't care how favorable your schedule is. You still have to go out there and play football games. And you still have to win those football games. So this week, they have the Buffalo Bills coming up at home. And yes, they are at home, but the Buffalo Bills are one of the best defenses in the NFL. Um, then they play Pittsburgh twice. Uh, they have the Dolphins. They play the Bengals twice. They play the Cardinals. And they play Baltimore. So my guess is they're going to have the ability to obviously beat the Dolphins. I think they could beat the Bengals twice. And I think they could probably go 1-1 one one against the Steelers. They could probably beat the Cardinals, and then I think they may get they may get their ass kicked by the Ravens. But man, like Cleveland, it's just been an it's it's been an abject disaster all year long. And what they really need to do this offseason, whether whether that be in the draft, whether that be in free agency, they need to just bang out their offensive line. They need to get after it with their offensive line. And should they fire Freddie Kitchens? I really don't know. I wouldn't do it. I'm not a huge fan of firing head coaches after their first year. I didn't like it when Arizona did it with Steve Wilkes. That means I'm probably not going to like it when they do it with Freddie Kitchens. I think it takes about two or three years for NFL head coaches to really kind of get used to the job, establish a chemistry, establish a locker room presence, establish a culture. But they need a culture change and they need a culture shock really quickly because Holy crap, it's a disaster in Cleveland. My God, it is a disaster. Oof. Lord Almighty. All right, so now what we're going to get into, we're going to get into some sports betting. Yeah. Love doing this stuff, man. Love doing this stuff. So now we're going to go after, going to get after it with my core four. These are my four betting picks that I throw... That I'm going to throw in this week. Every week I put about four games that I feel very confident in. So this is, and all of these, all of these odds are provided by FanDuel Sportsbook. If you don't have FanDuel, go download it. It's a really, really good app. There's lots of really great promotions going on right now on that, on, on their app. So just get after it. So my first pick, Kansas City minus four and a half at Tennessee. I'm going to go with Kansas City here. There's two things that I really like. Number one. Patrick Mahomes is back this week. That is absolutely huge. And even with Matt Moore, the Kansas City Chiefs were holding it down. They played really competitive football against the Green Bay Packers. And they played really competitive football last week in their game too. Um, Matt Moore is averaging about 219.7 yards passing uh, this season while taking over uh, for Patrick Mahomes. And now they do get Patrick Mahomes back. That's really big. Uh, and the Titans, the, the the Titans are 17th against the pass this year. I just don't trust the Titans. I don't know what I'm gonna get from them week to week. Um, and plus, they're you know two of their main pass catchers are hurt. Delaney Walker, 
uh, did not participate in practice this week. Corey Davis, their wide receiver, did not participate in practice this week. Um, and also another thing that I really like for the Kansas City Chiefs is that Chris Jones is coming back. And Frank Clark is probably going to come back. So that's huge. You get two of your best pass rushers right there. Um, again, like I said, I don't trust the Titans. And I think with Patrick Mahomes coming back, this is going to be on all full, you know, full cylinders. Andy Reid is going to be really excited. Uh, and, and the Titans... I just don't trust them with Ryan Tannehill. I know their offense has been better with Ryan Tannehill. But Kansas City, very quietly, has actually been 11th against the pass this year. A lot of people don't realize that. We tend to typically think uh, that the Kansas City defense is not very good, but they are 11th against the pass. So I'm going to take Kansas City to win outright here. They're going to, they again, they get minus 4.5 on the road versus Tennessee. I'm going to take them to win outright. My next one Arizona plus four and a half at Tampa Bay. I'm actually going to take Arizona here. Here's a couple of interesting stats. Arizona is six and three against the spread. And not just that. You want to hear something crazy? Arizona, despite the fact that they've had injuries at running back, they have a rookie head coach, a rookie quarterback, and a terrible offensive line. Did you know that Arizona has the fewest turnovers in the NFL this year? Mind-blowing, right? Unbelievable stuff. Absolutely amazing. And they're coming off of a week last week against uh, against one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the NFL in the, in the San Francisco 49ers, where they really competed. They competed extremely well. Um, they threw the ball against, uh, against the Niners like I did not think they were going to be able to. Kyler Murray threw for 241 yards and two touchdowns, but also their running game really came alive. Kenyon, Kenyon Drake had 15 carries for 110 yards and a touchdown he averaged 7.3 yards a carry they're probably going to get david john david johnson back this week and in his last five starts kyler murray 231.6 yards per game five touchdowns no picks so the cardinals do not turn the ball over they're very good against the spread and tampa bay is 0-2 this year when they are favored so i'm going to take arizona plus four and a half on the road at tampa bay to win that game now I'm gonna now I'm gonna do what is probably going to be considered one of the worst games of the year. This is just the toilet bowl, and this is gonna be hard for me to watch because I'm a Giants fan. Um, the Giants on the road, quote unquote, they're playing in the same stadium. Minus two and a half against the Jets. I'm gonna take the Giants here. The Giants have actually won and covered the spread in five of their last six games against the Jets, and the Jets are an absolute dumpster fire right now. They're coming off of the that that absolutely egregious loss to Miami. Uh, Sam Darnold just seems to be regressing a little bit. And the Giants have actually been very good at getting to the quarterback this year. Their pressure rate is not very high, but they are 15th in sacks. Uh, and the Jets have allowed the third most quarterback hits in the league. So, uh, you know, and I, you know, Le'Veon Bell right now is nursing a knee injury. Uh, so that could severely impact the Jets offensively. So I'm going to take the Giants minus two and a half against the Jets. I feel very, very confident in that pick. I think the Giants are the better team. I also think that, you know, uh, I, I also really don't see a home field advantage here, obviously, for the New York Jets. Um it's it's going to be a disaster of a game. Plus, I think there's a there's a really big sense of urgency and urgency here for Pat Shermer. He's in another he 
He's not like Adam Gase, where he's in his first year with the New York Jets. I wouldn't be shocked if, the Gase, if Gase gets fired, but I don't think he's going to because he's in his first year. But there is a sense of urgency here with Pat Shermer. He, is in, he has been the Giants' Colts for multiple years now. They, are, they have not been getting better. And if they lose this game to the Jets, I would not be shocked if Pat Shermer gets fired. So Pat Shermer is probably coaching for his job in this game. So I think he comes out with a sense of urgency. And I, I'm going to take the Giants minus two and a half here to win outright. My final pick of my core four, uh, Vikings on the road versus Dallas minus three and a half. I'm going to take Dallas here. Dallas is three and one at home this year. Uh, and there's a couple of things that I really like. The Cowboys are seventh against the pass and Adam Thielen is hurt. He has a hamstring problem and in all likelihood, he is probably not going to play this weekend uh, against the Dallas Cowboys. So that is huge. According to Chris Thomason of the St. Paul Pioneer of the St. Paul Pioneer Press, Adam Thielen is more than likely going to sit out this week against the Dallas Cowboys because they do not want to rush him back. And the main thing here that I love, it's a prime time game and it's Kirk Cousins, man. Kirk Cousins is has always been historically terrible in primetime games, whether that be a Sunday night football game, Thursday night football, Monday night football. He's just not good in primetime games. He tends to tense up. He makes a lot of mistakes. Um, and so I don't, I, I never trust Kirk Cousins in any sort of primetime game. That's really what I always look at when I take a look at the Minnesota Vikings. If I'm ever going to bet on them in a game, I always, the first thing I always ask, what time is the game? Because that matters to me. That really matters to me. And if you don't think it matters, then I, I want you to understand what Kirk Cousins did in a primetime game on Thursday night against one of the worst teams in the league in the Washington Redskins. The Vikings only won that game 19-9. to And Kirk Cousins, yeah, while he had a really good completion percentage, 23 for 26, threw for 285 yards, he only had, he didn't have a touchdown. He did not throw for a touchdown in that game. That's not good against one of the worst teams in the league. So I'm going to take Dallas, especially coming off of a win where they started off really slow, but then they gained a lot of momentum uh, for you know later on in that game. I think that's extremely important. And Ezekiel Elliott is coming off of a really, really good game too. He's actually got three straight 100-yard games. He's got three straight games of 20 or more carries. And two touchdowns and four touchdowns in his last five games. So he has been on fire. Um, I, I think that Dallas is able to win this game. I think this is going to be a very close game, which is why I like which is why I like the number three and a half. I, I like that number that they set that as the as the number for the spread because I think it is going to be a very close game. I think it's going to be less than I, I think it's going to be probably a seven point or less game. Uh, but I'm going to take Dallas minus three and a half at home against the Minnesota Vikings. So those are my core four. Just to, just to go over it again, I got Kansas City minus four and a half versus the Titans, Arizona plus four and a half versus Tampa, Giants minus two and a half at the Jets, and Dallas minus three and a half versus the Vikings. Okay, let's transition to some NBA. I'm so happy that the NBA is back, but there's one thing that I'm really not happy about. This load management crap has to stop. This load management crap has gotten way too far. So gone way too far. So Kawhi Leonard uh, sat out against the Milwaukee Bucks due to load management. Are we serious? Load management. Really? That is incredibly interesting. Do you know how many games the Clippers have played this year? Not very many. 
The Clippers are 5-3. and three. Do you know what that means? That means they've played eight games. So my basic question is, what the hell are you managing? What is this load management crap? I don't understand this. It's, it's unbelievable to me because when LeBron was doing this in Cleveland, where he, had lo- you know, where he was sitting out games for load management, everybody was attacking this guy. Attacking this guy. But when Kawhi does it, it's completely okay. If you are going to do load management, you better be doing it for one of two reasons. Number one, it's a little bit deeper. It's deeper into the season. Or number two, you're actually hurt. I don't think Kawhi Leonard is actually hurt. Now, there were reports that came out yesterday that apparently his knee was bothering him or something like that. I I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Because there were a couple of things that happened in the meeting with the Clippers when when Kawhi was meeting with them in free agency. There were three bullet points. Number one, can you get Paul George? Number two, can you keep Lou Williams? But number three, can I play 65 games a year? Here is my issue. Load man, here's my issue. I'm okay with load management. I have no problem with it. But you're eight games into the season. Like I said, what are you managing? So if Kawhi Leonard is going to be doing this this early in the season, he better damn well be holding up that NBA Finals trophy at the end of the year. And here's the other thing too. This load management fiasco is going to cost the players money. Chris Broussard brought up, brought up a really good point. Uh, on 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 the herd yesterday, which is you don't think that when the contract negotiations begin for the new collective bargaining agreement that ESPN and TNT are going to bring up this load management crap, and they're going to try they're going to try to lower the uh, the the they're going to try to lower the amount of money that they put on the contract because hey you know every time we have a prime time game guys like Kawhi are are sitting out. So if that's the case, why would I want to give you the same amount of money if I'm not going to get my superstars? This is going to cost players money. And here's, my, here's the other thing too. If you are going to go like Kawhi Leonard did, if you're going to go to the Los Angeles Clippers and say, I only want to play 65 games a year, then as an owner, why would I be entitled to pay you for an 82-game schedule? If you're not going to play 82 games, then I, I don't want to pay you for 82 games. I want to pay you for 65 games or 70 games or however many you play. It's different if you're injured. But if you're not hurt and you're just like sitting out sporadically whenever you feel like just because you don't want to hurt yourself, like, damn, why am I paying you for 82 games? So one of two things needs to happen, in my opinion, for the NBA. Either... And this is the more likely option. Either Adam Silver and the Adam Silver and the Players Association need to sit down and say, "Okay, we got to shorten the schedule. What do you want to shorten it to? 65 games. Great. Okay, let's do that." They either need to shorten the schedule or, and this is kind of an interesting idea that I came up with, they need to come up with a rule that basically states that you cannot sit out for load management purposes until after the All-Star break. You cannot start doing that. Until after the All-Star break. Or at least like February or something. Like late February, early March. Because this is just getting out of hand. They need to do something about this. Because, you know, Adam Silver gave them an inch. He's a players commissioner. Adam Silver gave them an inch. And now they're taking a mile. And again, and, and here's the other thing too. Look across the other side of the building. LeBron James is 34 years old playing in his 17th year in the NBA. 
He's played every game so far. You don't see him. He's playing 82 games consistently over the course of the year. You don't see him sitting out in the eighth game of the season for load management. LeBron's playing 37 minutes a night at point guard. And he's not sitting out for load management the way Kawhi is. And the worst part about it, the, the, the worst part about it is that, you know, it's just not good for the fans. You know, if I'm a fan and I pay and and I really don't go to I don't go to NBA games that often. I would say on average I probably go to about two NBA games a year. But if I pay like a hundred, let's say I pay like 150 bucks for like four tickets, right? And I go to an NBA game and it's and and it's Sixers and Clippers, let's say, because I'm I'm in the Philadelphia area, so I would go to a Sixers game. Let's say the Clippers come to Philadelphia, and I buy uh, I buy four tickets for like 150 bucks to go see. Probably it's probably more than that. I'm kind of you know under exaggerating the price, but let's just say I buy four tickets and I go to the stadium and I go to watch the Sixers and Clippers, and then I find out that Kawhi Leonard's not playing, not because he's hurt, but because of load management. It's just it's disrespectful to the fans. Why the hell am I? Why the hell am I paying all of this money to to come watch if you're not going to play, even though you're not hurt? What the hell's the point of that? You know, you're taking away the experience from the fans, especially fans like me who are not able to go to NBA games frequently, who maybe only go to like one or two games a year. It's bad for the fans. It's a bad look for the NBA. And more importantly, and I think this is something that NBA players should be fully aware of, it's going to cost them money. This collective bargaining agreement, the amount of money that goes into it, it is going to be taken down a notch because ESPN and TNT are going to be going to the going to the Players Association and being like, look, your players are sitting out for no damn reason, uh, you know, for national national TV games. So why am I going to pay you the same amount? It just doesn't make any sense to me. So either shorten the schedule, or just or or just like create a rule where you're not allowed to do this load management crap this early in the season. This is just absolutely ridiculous. I don't see the point in it. And again, like I said, if Kawhi Leonard wants to do this this early in the season, he better be holding up that trophy at the end of the year. The reason nobody cared about it last year is because Kawhi won the NBA Finals. But like, if you're going to do this this early in the year, I better see you hold up that damn trophy. I better see you, I better see you hold up that trophy, man. This is ridiculous. It's unbelievable. Um... And now let me shift to let me shift to the other team in LA, the Los Angeles Lakers. Have you noticed this year something different with LeBron? Got a lot more energy. Got so much energy. He's taking charges more than I'm seeing him taking charges. He's playing with bounce. He is just he just looks different running out in transition. He really does. He looks different defensively. His off-ball defense is really where he had a lot of problems last year. He was very lazy. He's gotten better. You know, he's gotten much more, much more aggressive and much more active with his off-ball defense. He's obviously been been a good on-ball defender. He's playing with a lot of energy, which is very hard for him because now he's switching positions. He's playing point guard, and he's gonna and he's having to guard guys that are smaller and quicker than him at this point in his career, and he's doing that. And he's been a great distributor of the basketball. He's always been a great distributor of the basketball. But overall, this Lakers team has looked really good. They're top five in the league in defensive rating. Like, they've, they've been unbelievable. Dwight Howard has been great for them off the bench. He's averaging about two blocks a game. Danny Green and, and 
and, and LeBron James fit incredibly well together. They're getting really good defensive production out of Avery Bradley. Anthony Davis obviously looks unbelievable. I still think they need one more piece, though. And it completely depends on what you want. Now, you could go out. They could do one of two things. They could go out and they can get a scorer, which I don't think will be the worst thing in the world. But I do, I do think if they are going to get a scorer, it should be a guy that should be able to shoot the outside jumper. They need another, I think that if they could get another like really good three-point shooter, say like a Jamal Crawford, he's out there right now. <laughs> I think that'd be really good for them. Or, and this is very, very specific to the Los Angeles Clippers. If you, and you have to decide this before I, before I say what I'm about to say, you have to decide this if you are the Los Angeles Lakers. If you truly believe that the only threat to you in the entire Western Conference is the Los Angeles Clippers, then you need to go out and get Andre Iguodala. Because Andre Iguodala is not a guy who you're going to have to play big minutes, but he's a dude that you can bring in in the fourth quarter, and if you're playing the Clippers in a playoff series, he could just guard Kawhi for 15 minutes. And that's all you really need out of him. All you need is 12 to 15 minutes of of great on-ball defense a night from Andre Iguodala on Kawhi Leonard. Or, you know, and then you can have LeBron maybe play on Paul Paul George or however you want to mix it up. But one of those two guys, I think, would be a really good fit for them. Now, I know they're going to get Rondo back, but Rondo is not a shooter. And I I failed to understand. I failed to see how LeBron and and Rondo are going to play together, especially now that LeBron is playing point guard. You know, number one, even when LeBron is not playing point guard, he's still going to be bringing the ball up about 50 to to 60% of the time. But also, having Rondo out there, it's just, it's one less shooter. Rondo is not a good shooter. So I think they, you know, I, I think it would be in their best interest to get either a Jamal Crawford or a or or an Andre Iguodala, one of the two. One of the two, uh, but I'm very excited that the NBA is back. So excited, man! It's awesome. Um, and now let's go. Let, let's go to Major League Baseball, real quick. Talk about a couple of managerial hires. Uh, so the, the Philadelphia Phillies hired Joe Girardi to be their next manager. And I really love this hire. Joe Girardi is a dude who has a ton of playoff experience. He's won a World Series with the New York Yankees. He won it in his first year back in 2009. Um, and he is a, he's just got a ton of experience. And the reason why I love it uh, for the Philadelphia Phillies is because it is a team that is trying to get to the next level they signed Bryce Harper uh they have a lot of really good young players Reese Hoskins um you know Aaron Nola Sir Anthony Dominguez is going to come back off the Tommy John surgery they have a lot they, they have a lot of good pieces but they just need to put it together first of all they need to get they need to make their pitching staff better that's that's the first thing with the Philadelphia Phillies they have they need to go out and get a couple of bullpen guys and they need to get a starter or two um, but Joe Girardi when you have a young team that is ready to make that next push you need a guy who has playoff experience because you can basically use him this guy as a guide and as a mentor for okay this is how we're going to appro- this is how you approach this type of game in this atmosphere, 
you need to have this sort of mentality. This is how I want you to approach this at bat. These guys, and aside from the veteran guys in that clubhouse, the manager is the one that sets the tone. And if the manager is a guy who has got a ton of experience, he knows how to be calm in these situations, he knows the right mentality, then that passes down to the team. And it you know, it, it, it calms a lot of the young guys who, you know, have, have a rapid heartbeat in these types of situations. So I really love that hire. And I think that he's going to do a lot of good things uh, for this team. And then the other hire is Carlos Beltran uh, for the New York Mets. I, I, came, I came on here in my last podcast. I said I, I really wouldn't love the idea of hiring Carlos Beltran. And the reason why I say that is because I think it's counterproductive to knock. One of the knocks on Mickey Calloway was his lack of managerial experience. So it would be counterproductive to fire a dude who didn't have a lot of managerial experience to hire another guy who doesn't have a lot of managerial experience. Um, but I'm, more of a, I'm, I'm on more of a wait and see mode. When it comes to Carlos Beltran, uh, number one, he's number one. He was an unbelievable player, so that pedigree is something that guys will respect in that locker room. Number two, he he's played in New York both for the Mets and the Yankees, so he knows how to handle the media just fine. He's perfectly okay in that situation. Um, he's all he already had a pretty existing relationship with ownership, so there's that trust, there's that camaraderie there. Um, so I don't really think that he's going to be a puppet in the same way that Mickey Calloway kind of was. There were reports during the season that the front office and, and, and Brony Van Wagenen would write out the lineups for Mickey Calloway. I don't think that's going to be the case this year for Carlos Beltran. Carlos Beltran is bilingual, so there, the communication gap is going to be able to be bridged. And he's just a calm dude. He's just a calm dude, man. And that's a young team. That's another young team that is going to be really fired up to play good competitive baseball. And they need to do a couple of things too. They need to fix their bullpen a little bit. Uh, They need to fix their defense. They were one of the worst defensive teams in the league last year. They were actually the second worst defensive team at catcher. Only the Baltimore Orioles were worse. So they need to they need to figure those things out. Um, but I like both. I, I I like the managerial hire for the Philadelphia Phillies. I'm in wait and see mode. Uh, for the managerial hire for the New York Mets. Um, but it's good. So now I just want to give a couple of I want to give a couple of small notes. Um, Steven Strasburg opted out of his contract. I I don't think he's going to re-sign with the Nationals. I don't think either him or Anthony Rendon are going to re-sign with the Nationals. If they were going to re-sign with the Nationals, number one, Steven Strasburg wouldn't if Steven Strasburg wanted to be a national, he wouldn't have opted out of his contract in the first place. He's got $100 million left on his deal. He wouldn't have opted out. That's a lot of money. And number two, Anthony Rendon was offered a really, really big contract by the Washington Nationals about mid-season. I don't remember the specifics of the numbers, but it was a really, really big deal. And Anthony Rendon turned it down. So I don't think either of them are going to be back. I don't think Garrett, you know, Garrett Cole is a free agent. I don't think he is going to Houston. I actually think that there's a really good possibility that Garrett Cole or Steven Strasburg will be a New York Yankee by the end of the uh, by, by the end of the offseason. Anthony Rendon, I'm a little bit more unsure about. Um, but, you know, I, I will say this, though. It's going to be a really, really interesting offseason. There's a lot of big names on the market. Anthony Rendon, Steven Strasburg, Garrett Cole, Madison Bumgarner, just to name a few. Yasmani Grandal. 
There's a lot of really big names on the market. Dallin Batantis for the New York Yankees. I can't wait to see how this plays out in, in free agency. I'm very, very excited for that. 